what is off the groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. Back to flat track racing again this weekend as the series moves on to the Atlanta short track. I think Atlanta will be an equalizer for both classes, more so for the twins because of the tightness of the track, it's a little bit shorter, it's high banked, so I think horsepower won't become a factor as much as the rider. It's going to be more in the rider's hands, how they can get off the corners, how hard they can put it in the corner. I think it will depend on the rider's talent as to who ends up on top of the box. AFT has been keeping an eye on the weather and they already have a backup plan for Sunday. Jared Meese won there last year on the Indian motorcycle. He completed the Grand Slam at this event last year, so it's got to be a favorite in his mind. We'll see if Harley-Davidson has stepped up their game and we'll see if Sammy Halbert has some redemption. I don't think this race will be just Harley-Davidson versus Indian. Earlier in the week, Yamaha announced that J.D. Beach will be racing. I'm considering him a dark horse at this race, but he'll be riding the MT-07 instead of calling the bike the FZ-07. I reached out to G&G Racing to confirm that that wasn't a typo, and they said yes, the Yamaha race bikes are now called MT-07. That means J.D. Beach, Mikey Rush, Kel Kochman, and Jake Johnson will all be on Yamaha MT-07s at this event. Another manufacturer making the news this week, Ducati announced that Stevie Bonzi will team up with Lloyd Brothers and Dillard Family Racing on the Ducati Testa Stretta 821. It's a 10-race deal, and we wish Stevie Bonzi the best. Hope to catch up with him later in the season to get his take on his new ride. In this week's episode, we talked to another Stevie. She's just as well known in the pit area, even though she no longer races. She spends her days cheering on her brother Brian and working with her father Barry, supporting her fiance, J.R. Addison's race program. Here's Stevie Smith. Hello? Stevie Smith, is that you? It is. Hi. Hi. What's been going on? I haven't seen you since the Ale House in Daytona. You been doing all right? Yep. Just working, working every day other than Tuesdays. Well, work's overrated. Didn't anybody tell you that? It is. It is. All right. Well, I, th- I thought you were just a, a full-time, you know, uh, racer, sister, racer, girlfriend thing. I thought that's where you were. Yeah, I wish. All right. Well, let's get to know Stevie Smith. Um, you know, a lot of people have seen you at the racetrack, but, uh, you know, you do a lot of different things. But let's let's go way back to the beginning. Where were you born? Uh, I was born in Flint, Michigan. Oh, the, the home of all the fast racers. Is that right? It is. Yep. <laughs> what, what's it like growing up in Michigan? Um, I mean, it was kind of awesome, really. I got to ice ride um, every single winter for a long time, too, because, I mean, ice is around for our a lot of months in Michigan and I always got to see Scotty Parker and Springer all the time so I mean it's the the heart of dirt track central really yeah so Scotty Parker and Jay Springsteen are two famous people pretty much known worldwide but you grew up and they're just your friends right right yeah I mean got to go on some family vacations with Scott and uh grew up I actually we would go over there for Easter all the time and do some Easter egg hunting with Ashley and in Austin. And now we're all grown up adults. <laughs> Man, it's hard to believe you guys are all grown up and adults. I, I remember watching you all as, as little kids on little mini bikes and stuff. So uh, how did you get into riding motorcycles? Did you just start at a young age, like all the rest of these racers that I talked to? 
Uh, no, I, well, I mean, I, I rode when I was younger on ice and stuff. And then I eventually learned how to ride on dirt. And then I didn't get to race my first race. I think I was 14 or 13 years old. Uh, so I started really late. Uh, I mean, obviously because of my brother, but yeah, I didn't start till later on. Are, are you older than Brian or is he older than you? I mean, he's nine years older than me. Oh, so, but why did, why didn't you get the race until then? I mean, were they just focused on Brian? <laughs> well, yeah, we were traveling so much with him. And then I think it was just, uh, I'm daddy's baby and he didn't want me to get into it. And then I eventually talked him into it. So I, th- I think that's more of it than anything. So you said you were 13 or 14 before you started racing, and, and you raced flat track. Did you start on little bitty bikes, or you're you're 13 or 14, but you're still kind of small. So what, <laughs> what bike did you race first? Uh, it was actually a, an 80. I, I, didn't, I don't even think I rode. I think I rode a 65 a couple times uh, on ice, but my very first race was in the, 80, in the 85 class. So I jumped into it in a, in a stacked class, really. <laughs> Right on, exactly. So you were number 84 and Brian was 42, so your number is twice as big as his. Does that mean you're twice as fast as he was? <laughs> I wish. No, he was back in his amateur days and in the beginning of pro sport days, he was number 84, so I kind of just stole it from him. And and then now it all works out where it's double O'Brien. And that's pretty cool. I like that. So yeah. did you get... Did you get some of his older motorcycles or did you just, you guys start with your own bikes? Um, I, my 80 was given to me from one of Brian's sponsors back in the day. And then when I jumped onto a 450, cause I skipped 250s. I think I rode a 250 once or twice and I just started racing 450s and I always rode his bikes. And then when I was on a 250, I was racing Jared Mies's 250 and then finally, I think it was 2011, my dad finally bought me my own bike. Um, so then I was no more hand-me-downs. I got, my, I got my own stuff then. Right on. So do you have a favorite motorcycle that you used to race? Um, I love the road taxes. Um, and then my Honda 450 is amazing. But those two are my favorite. Do you still have the race bikes? Yeah, I do. They're in my dad's garage. <laughs> do you get do you get to ride them anymore? I, I know I haven't seen you at the racetrack. I mean, other than in the pits, and I see it at the you know the dirt track grand championships and stuff like that. But I haven't seen you race for a little while. So do you still ride them at all? Um, I'll go riding every once in a while, but I I haven't rode or I mean raced in a couple of years now. So yeah, I'm just doing a lot of riding really. Yeah. Do you have a uh, a favorite memory of when you were racing? Yeah, I got a few, really, but my all-time favorite probably is Springfield Short Track from 2013. Um, There was 50 riders in our class. I had to win your heat race to make the main, Um, and I came out winning both my heat races and went out and said, okay, that that was a lot easier than playing catch-up, so I tried to do the same thing in the main event and ended up with a third and a fourth beating a lot of fast guys and to make it even more special i was wearing tyler brentlinger's helmet so that's probably my 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 favorite memory of racing yeah that's good stuff i got goosebumps right there when you told me that stevie so that's that's really cool yeah. did you uh did you ever race against your brother brian 
No, I wish. Oh my gosh. That's, that was like a dream of mine is to race him and eventually go one, two on the podium. Of course, him second, me first, but I never, never got to do that. Um, we did play like pretend races on the ice, but never, I never got to race him. No. Were, were you faster than him on the ice? Yeah, I was one, one time, but I was on the faster bike, but I still was faster, but that's only all once. Right. That's all right. It's still pretty <laughs> cool to look back and see that you're in front of your brother. I'm sure that's gotta be a good feeling. Oh yeah. Yep. So, so why'd you stop racing? Um, I was hurt really bad in 2014. Um, it was my first race back after, after JR's big wreck at Springfield. And then I turn around and get hurt really bad and someone passed away in the race. And after that, I kind of just slowed down and looked at the bigger picture of things and just do kind of hit and hit and miss races after that. And then now I'm just so busy with work and I do a lot of stuff for Jared's program. So kind of just step back and, and let him do everything. We'll get into more stuff about JR here in just a little bit, but uh, let's talk about what it's like growing up in a racing family. You said Brian's nine years older. Your dad was good friends with Scotty Parker. So what it was, what was it like growing up in the racing family? Brian's the only one that raced me and my sister just kind of played tag along and we went to the races every single weekend. Um, I was two weeks old at my very first race. So I literally know nothing else. Uh, growing, I mean, it teaches you so much stuff that it's unreal. So it, it's a, it's a fun lifestyle. That's for sure. Yeah. I think the, the flat track family is very unique. Uh, you know, a lot of the racing communities aren't quite as tight as the flat track community. I mean, you could go borrow a sprocket from the guy that you have to go beat in the very next race. And that's just how close everybody is. So I love right. the flat track. Yeah. The flat track family is awesome for sure. Let's uh, yeah. get into to your relationship with J.R. Addison. So how did you two meet? <laughs> um, Marion Half Mile, 2011. Uh, I was there with a bunch of friends. I had a broken leg, so I was just hobbling around the track, hanging out. And we all went to eat afterwards. There's a big group of us. And then we go to Walmart. You know what Dirt Tracker's doing Walmart. I mean, we were up to no good, just just kind of terrorizing the place and we we met there and we didn't really talk again till a year later. But Marion, Ohio, is where we met. Right on. Do you have a favorite memory? Uh, I know something big happened in Daytona. I'm going to talk about that in just a little bit too. But <laughs> do you have a favorite memory with Jr.? Oh my gosh, there's so many memories that I don't know if I have a favorite. But probably back to that where we met when we were at Walmart. We Tim and I got in the shopping cart and just terrorized walmart together i mean i had a cast up to my uh hip at the time and that thing was hanging out of the shopping cart we were just knocking stuff over and throwing like the blow up balls around so i mean that's probably one of my favorite memories is the time we met early that's awesome what uh what's something that people would be surprised to know about jr addison oh my gosh there's a lot <laughs> um so he slings drywall every single day, Monday through Friday, every day, all day. That's what he does. And then he packs up both the races on the weekend. Um, and he is what he, like, when you meet him, he's a super nice guy, um, quiet, and that's who he is. It's not a front. So, I mean, people are surprised when they find out that he's truly as nice as he is. 
That's awesome. You're you're so cool, Stevie. That's so cool to hear. I love <laughs> I love I love the background and uh, you know what you find out about the riders and stuff like that. So I usually start talking about 2017 because that's the last year, the most present one. But I want to go back to 2016 because that was really special for your family. But uh, your big your big brother Brian won the Grand National Championship. Talk about that year and what it meant for him to finally win the Grand National Championship. Man, it was the biggest weight lifted off of all of our shoulders. I mean, you watch someone you love and you're one of your heroes week in, week out, just working so hard to to accomplish something and and coming so close for so many years to finally get it. It was, I mean, we he finally did it. I'm just weight gone. It's away from us now. So how'd the people react back in Michigan when, after he won the number one plate, when you guys fly back from the last race of the season, what's the reaction you guys got from all the other fast guys that live up there? Man, everyone was just so proud of him. Um, finally, they praised him for finally doing it, and his luck was on his side that year. And, you know, there's going to be a big party afterwards. So everyone was ready for that party, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure of that. It did come down to the last race, and, and I think that makes it even more exciting. And, and there's more pressure, and, you know, the, the strong and the, the, the fast come out on top. So I, I, was ex, I was ecstatic for him to win his first championship also. Um, mm -hmm. what, what did you and your family do to celebrate the championship? Um, well, after the races, we, I mean, we, you try to celebrate, but it was an emotional day to begin with, with losing two of our two of our fallen riders. And so we kind of put off celebrating really hard until we got home and uh, we rented out of a bar and we partied all night, really. <laughs> That's good stuff. So also in 2016, there's a couple other, you know, you know, historic things for your family. J.R. Addison, who is now your fiance, he won the rookie of the year with your dad as the mechanic. So Tell us about, you know, not only win the championship, but a very good year for JR also. Yeah. Uh, I mean, stepping up into the twins class is always, it's always a hard thing to transition into, but I believe it was the best transition for JR possible. And he tried all year to, to fight his hardest. And we had some bad luck that year, but I mean, still managed to pull out that rookie year, like you said, with my dad as mechanic and, so he, I mean, he's ready to do more stuff like that and win some races now. So one more thing on 2016 before we move into to last year, you also won an award. And what was cool about this award, I think, is everybody that signs up and gets a membership to to be in the AFT pit area got to vote on this award. And you were the winner of this award. It was the Brentlinger Award of Excellence. What did that mean to you? Man, when I received that award, it was just. I started crying because my entire family kept it a secret from me. I didn't know that I was receiving it that night. And it, I, I miss Tyler and Dave so much. It's unreal. And to get something with, with their last name on it and to show the sportsmanship that I have for every single rider in the pit, it was, I mean, my heart was just full of love from everyone that voted and, I can't even say good good enough things about it, really. Yeah, I think you uh, definitely deserved it, and that will carry us into the 2017 season. Let's go a little further with the Brentlinger Foundation you started, and you started you started off by giving people 
extra money that you would, you know, sell items from other racers and raise money. And you started giving it to whoever led the 17th lap because Tyler Brentlinger wore number 17. But then you, you regrouped a little bit and you started helping out people that finished in the 17th spot in both classes. So how mm-hmm. did you, how did you come up with the Brentlinger foundation and, you know, how did you develop the idea? In 2016, I just thought of this idea. It was a week before Daytona. So something just clicked in my head and said, hey, I want to try to do this for one race. And it was five days before Daytona, and I raised enough money for, I think it was three or four races. So I'm like, okay, let's let's do this for the whole year. And at the time, I raised enough money just to do the leader of lap 17 in the, in the AFT um, twins class. And... Then the next year comes by, and I'm like, you know what? I want to help the underdogs. Those people are the ones that are mainly working nine to five every single day, doing whatever they can to to go to the races that weekend. So I kind of just regrouped, like you said, and planned out this idea to raise money to pay both classes, seventeenth whoever finished 17th in the main event, and it was $217 each. And I one memory from that is, um, one of the riders that received the money, they didn't have enough money to go to Springfield the next weekend, and the money I handed over to them was enough for gas to get them there. So that right there is why I did it and why I helped those riders. Because, I mean, most of the time, they're the ones that need it the most. So I had to do something to help them out. How did you How did you start raising the money? I think I've seen you, you've auctioned off a few items from other racers. And so do racers bring, just bring that stuff to you? Or do you go around through the pit area and ask these riders for donations or, you know, how, how does all that work? Well, um, a lot of riders, um, such as my brother, Jared, he's, um, JR, Coolbeth, they all kind of just said, here, here's some items for you. You can do whatever you want with them. And then a couple of people I asked and no one ever had an issue with me getting items off of them and auctioning it off. And Tom Duma donated a necklace. And I mean, the racing community just kind of handed over items because they wanted to help in any way possible. And without all of that, there's no way I could have been able to do it. So definitely a a community thing. It wasn't just me. It was everyone else that, that helped out along the way. That was cool for sure. I, I know the riders definitely appreciate it. And like you said, you actually helped, you know, some of the riders get to the next race. So that's, it was really cool that you did that. Uh, one more thing on the 2017 season, how cool was it to see your brother out there on the racetrack with that big number one plate? <laughs> well, it took me and my dad a handful of races to finally realize that he was number one. Cause we kept looking for number 42 out there. And it was hard for us at first to, to remember that that was him and, but it it was amazing to see that number one plate finally on his bike. And, and I know he's ready to get it back and I'm ready to watch him get it back. So it's yeah. going to be good. I, I actually had a hard time at, at Daytona this year with the big number four on the number plate. I kept yeah. wanting to call him, call him Chris Carr. And then it didn't look like Brian, but he had the Indian leathers on. So I was struggling with the four this year. So uh, let's talk about what happens uh, during the off season between 2017 and 2018 what do you do i mean you said you got a full-time job but what else goes on in stevie's world i brainstorm so so many ideas constantly um so other than working and i'm brainstorming ideas for um our racing program and i mean mainly that's it and we have 
two cats and a dog, so taking care of them and playing with our hyper crazy dog, uh, that's that's kind of my life, really. So, what all did you do this this off season? Did you have any did you t- did you have any time to have any fun? Oh yeah, we uh, so me and Jr. We purchased our first home together in June or July of last year. So when the off season came about, we we knew we had to throw a big party and welcome in the neighborhood the, the proper way. And we did by having about 200 people over here. So that was a ball. We had family, friends from the races. And then, it, I mean, 200 people at our house was insane, but not one complaint. So we did pretty good. <laughs> That sounds that sounds like you did a very good job. So uh, I saw I, I saw a video in the off season. You actually got Parker Norris to do some dance or something. Oh yeah. You want to la- elaborate on that a little? So we drove up to uh, his benefit to raise money for his racing program, and you know, from one rider to another, we had to go and support him. So we were there, and towards the end of the night, the music came on, and I'm like, man, I'm gonna get Parker out on the dance floor grabbed his hand and he started dancing with me no problem so for someone that you think is a shy quiet guy he is not shy and he's not quiet he will dance with you <laughs> all right i did not know that because i i can't hardly get any words out of him when i walk through the pit area and especially when i do my pit walk it's just he may he may say hi or he might just wave so uh, i didn't i didn't yeah. know he could talk or dance so that's good stuff he's, he's just super mellow he's so calm cool and collected yeah, yeah, he doesn't look like that, and he definitely doesn't ride like that when he's on the racetrack. Right. <laughs> Let's talk about 2018, and and your team is really cool because uh, you know you're behind the scenes. You uh, do a lot of things that we don't see, but then your dad's a mechanic for JR, and I like the the old team shirts because uh, Brian was four two, and the JRSN's two four. So I like the old team shirts, but. Let's go, and what are, what are you guys expecting for the 24 team this year in 2018? Uh, we, I mean, every time he goes out on the track, I just, I mean, I expect him to do his best every single time, but we're, we know what he's capable of, and we know what our bikes are capable of, so I, I, I'm hoping and really, really, really wishing that we can get that podium or top five finish. Um, we were so close last year and every time we were close, we had a mechanical or, um, JR had fallen. So we know what he's capable of. I mean, he's fast enough to, to win Sprinkle mile. Um, we just hope that everything stays in shape and he stays on two wheels this year. His best finish last year was a seventh at the Oklahoma city mile race. Um, did that race stick out to you in particular for him, or do you have another race that you uh, remember fondly from 2017? Um, Rapid City Half Mile. He, I don't know why it sticks out so much in my head, but he was hauling that day. He was, I mean, I think he was running fifth place when his bike broke. Um, but his favorite, where he probably likes the best, is Oklahoma City. I don't know. He loves the deep, rough tracks. But Springfield always stands out for me as well for him because, I mean, he's fast there. He proved that a couple of years ago when he was fast one in the main event. Uh, so I think Springfield and Rapid City are the two that stick out the most to me. Maybe not necessarily from last year, but just in general. So are those the two tracks you're looking forward to the most in 2018? Uh, yeah, I would say Springfield. I always look forward to Springfield. Um, 
Rapid City. I mean, a lot of the clay half miles and and the miles, uh, the cushion miles, I think I look forward to the most. So he's a cushion rider from Ohio. Does he like the Lima, Ohio half mile? Uh, he hasn't liked it on a twin yet. He can't seem to figure it out on a twin, but uh, he's a previous winner on the 450 there. And it, it, it's kind of a sad story that he grew up going to that race uh, his entire life pretty much. And by the time he turned pro, he was so excited to get there. And the very first year he turned pro, uh, it rained out. And then the second year he had a broken back. So he had to wait three years before he could even race that track and comes out, wins it. And then now he's struggling there a bit, but I, he does like the cushion half miles a lot, but he struggles at Lima right now. Well, maybe he'll figure it out and get that W there this year. That'd be pretty cool. Your your team, like we mentioned, is a, a family effort. Your dad's the tuner. You do all the marketing uh, behind the scenes. Do you guys have to meet in you know Michigan? Does your dad keep the bikes up there, or how does all that gel every weekend or every race weekend? Um, after Daytona, he, my dad did take the bikes home. Um, sometimes we'll leave them here, but nine times out of ten, he keeps them up there and we travel up there and it gives me an excuse to go up there and spend time with my family anyways. So it it all works out. Sounds perfect. What, uh, what was your take on the 2018 Daytona TT? It was 10 times better than last year. Um, there, I think there still could be a little bit of improvement, but they're heading in the right direction and it, it was outstanding this year. And in, in my point of view, um, with the track being a little bit wider, it made room for passing and, the chicane was way better than a stop go kind of chicane. It was fast and it was, it was fun to watch. Uh, one thing I think would be awesome that they could do is if they would bring down the fans onto the NASCAR track, like they do for supercross. Um, you see how cool Buffalo chip is with the fans right there on the track. I, I think Daytona QT would be awesome if we could have the fans on the NASCAR track. Yeah, like on that front straightaway, you know, just let them sit on the on the front straightaway where the start finish line is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's they're at such high speed right there. We definitely have to make some kind of safety precaution to keep them, you know, a few feet away from the racetrack. It's a little bit different than a buffalo chip. It seemed like they were inches away, but if we could keep them back a little ways, I think that'd be a great idea. Right. Um, or or even switch that that long straightaway to the other side of the track and have the chicane there rather than the front straightaway. So just flip the whole thing upside down. I like it. Yeah. I like, I like the way you're thinking. So something else, something else actually happened down in Daytona. Um, something you've been waiting for for a little bit. Do you want to explain what else happened after the races? Yeah. Uh, me and Jar have been together for maybe six years, um, actually at Lima this year. And I knew that he was going to be asking me to be his wife one day, but I didn't know when. And, Every time I thought it was going to happen, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. So I kind of just put it off and said, okay, he's he's not going to do it. He might want to be like my brother and not ever get married, really. Um, and then about two weeks before Daytona, he said, hey, do you want to get up and watch the sunrise in Daytona? We've never done that every year. We've been going down there. And he said, I don't think you ever have. So let's do that. And I said, all right. And I planned for us to do that and got up. Um, the day after the race um, and we headed down to the beach and there was this person sitting in the sand and I'm like, man, Jared, that really looks like your sister's body structure. And he's like, 
no, that's got to be some sort of bum. He was like, that's not my sister. There's no way she's down here that early. And about half hour later, he pops the question and comes to find out it really was his sister. So it was special. Daytona 2018 will always be a special place in my heart. That's for sure. So she was just sitting in the sand just to make sure there was a witness that this really happened. <laughs> she she took videos and pictures secretly uh, for Jr. She he knew that I would want that moment captured, so he kind of asked her politely to wake up at seven o'clock in the morning and come down and sneak some pictures for him. Man, that's some love right there because I don't think I see seven a.m. unless I've seen it. You know, stayed up from the night before. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So uh, was it everything you were hoping for? Yeah, it was everything I was hoping for more. It was absolutely perfect. I mean, Daytona is one of my favorite, one of my all-time favorite places. I've been going for 19 years straight now. And my second favorite place is Springfield. And obviously we can't, you couldn't do it at Springfield because Jared and Nicole got engaged and married there. So couldn't do it there. And so on the beach, watching the sunrise was the most perfect moment of my entire life. Do you guys have a date yet, or are you going to wait and see? Um, I We don't have a date, really, but I, I want to do it next year, but we have to wait till the race schedule comes out. So we're kind of <laughs> in, a, in a pickle where we either got to do it in the wintertime or wait for the schedule to come out and plan around that. Well, we could, you know, we could always do it during opening ceremonies like we did Jared and Nicole's. And I, I actually, I was the one that married them. So, I mean, I, I'll throw my services out there right now. You know, just, you just, you just give me the word. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, you know, we've talked about how special the, the Flat Track family is. You've met a lot of really cool people, you know, at the races. I know most of your friends are, are, are from the Flat Track family. So who's, who's probably your best friend at the racetrack? Uh, well, Amber King, I grew up, me and her six, seven, eight years old, we met and we're best friends to this day. She's, I mean, she's going to be my maid of honor at my wedding, no doubt. Um, she's my all time best friend. Um, she doesn't get to go to races much anymore. Cause obviously her dad, uh, Rich King and her brother, Aaron King, they retired a while back. Uh, so now, I mean, my dad and Jar are really my best friends at the track. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. So one other thing I love about you, Stevie, is that you're very opinionated. And, you know, if, if I mess up on the microphone, it's either your mom or your dad or you will send me a text immediately. And I, I get corrected pretty quickly, but I'm, I'm a human being and I make mistakes. I try not to, yeah. but uh, I'm sure I messed up a couple of times with, with JR when he was moving up there. And then him and Parker Norris have the same number. And so I messed up there a yeah. few times. And stuff like that. So, uh, I, but I love that you're opinionated and you're not, you don't hold anything back. Is there anything that you've been wanting to get off your chest lately? Um, shoot. I don't know. There's always a bunch of stuff I want to say, but I, I don't like to make it publicly known the things that I will say sometimes. Uh, I think, um, in the racing world, they are making moves for the better. And it, it's awesome to see how much, um, they want to see things improve and, and get better. So, one thing I will say that I absolutely hate and wish they would go back is the format. Bring back the old school format where it was heat races, last chance qualifier, main event. If you win your heat race or whatever, you get straight into the main event. I hate this new format. It's it's not fun. I'd have to agree with you because if you win a heat race, it really doesn't mean much anymore. I mean, it just means that right. you get a better start starting pick in the semi. 
Uh, I did like a little bit that that there were they were eliminating people from the heat races at Daytona, but I also I would I think I would hate that as a racer because if I traveled from say Oklahoma all the way out to Daytona and I only got to run a heat race and then my day was over, I wouldn't like that very much. So I like having a couple right. of opportunities to make the main. Yep. Yep. Well, I got I got a little bit of your opinions off off your chest, but uh, anytime you want to share your opinions, you got my number. So uh, oh, yeah. we usually we usually end the uh, the interview with uh, some rapid fire questions. So are you ready? Oh boy, I guess so. Here we go. <laughs> Who who's an up and comer we should keep our eye on? One of my friends that's a single class now is Cole Zabala. Uh, I see him making big improvements this year, and I I think he'll be he'll be one to to make main events left and right this year. Right on. I've seen him. He's training a lot too. And he went down and spent some time with Johnny Lewis. So I'd have to agree with you on that one. But what about an amateur? Are there any amateurs you got, uh, you got in mind that are coming through the ranks? Yep. Drew Hart, uh, Ohio boy. Uh, watched him race from an 80 to, to now he'll be turning pro the next couple races. And he, he's going to be one to watch. He'll be, he'll be ready to, to show some W's this year for sure. And when does he turn pro? Do you know? Um, I know he was originally planning on doing the out west swing, but I think they're waiting till Kentucky now. I, I, I'm almost positive they said Kentucky. Okay. All right. We'll keep an eye on the 66F. He'll have to have a different number, of course, when he gets up in the pro ranks. But uh, I like I like uh, announcing his races. He's a fast, young up-and-comer. So my next rapid-fire question is, what do you and JR do with all your trophies? <laughs> um. A lot of mine from a while ago are hanging in the basement, and his are in the closet. <laughs> um, we have, like, his Horizon Award out. Uh, we have a few of his really good trophies out, but there's a lot in storage that he wants to probably donate. But a lot of the good ones are, are in our basement showcased uh, for when people come over. So what are you going to do with the, the one when he wins his first Grand National? Are you going to put that right as soon as you open the front door? Oh, yeah. That's going to be hanging in our living room somewhere. That's that's for sure. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So uh, what's your favorite racetrack? My favorite um, that I have raced is probably Leamington, Ontario, or Greenville um, and Midland, Michigan. Um, and then my favorite to really watch is Springfield Mile. That, that's okay. my That's my heart. <laughs> I got you. So the ones that you like to ride sound like they're all cushions. Do you like, I guess you like the cushion tracks, huh? Yeah. All three of those are cushion half miles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. I miss, I miss you racing out there too, by the way. I, I uh, actually sent uh, my producer, Chris Carter, a picture of you and me at the Daytona, you know, bike week down there a couple of years ago. And I was your trophy boy. Cause there was no, <laughs> you know, there's all these trophy girls. And, and I just had to stand there when, when we took your picture for the overall week. Yeah, I, I remember that. I actually, you were on your knees, right? And you're still yeah, tall. Yeah, of course. Me. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think you might you might have been an, an inch taller than me, but yeah, it's pretty close. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that's a good memory. I still have that in my uh, camera roll. I like uh, checking that out every once in a while. So, uh, oh yeah. What's what's the what's the coolest thing you get to do when you're out on the road? You know, going to the racetrack. Uh, do you have something that you look forward to every year? Uh, not something necessarily I look forward to. Uh, I love traveling, so maybe that. Uh, I love hearing the box band start up and, and jump in that and, and go on to the road. I mean, that's that's my favorite part, really. That's good stuff. You're you're definitely uh, born in the racing family, if that's what you look forward to, is when that box band yeah. fires up. 
Do you, do you have a favorite place to, to stop and eat when you're on the road? Waffle House. <laughs> really? I yeah. love it. So is that is that after the races, after you win, after you party, then it's go to the Waffle House? It's just whenever we're on the road, me and my dad have to stop there. Uh, my brother's girlfriend, Crystal, and JR, they hate it, so they'll never go, really, but <laughs> it's a must. I have to go. <laughs> I love it. I, want, I wanted to stump you, but I haven't stumped you yet. Is there anything else that you've got war in the works that we need to know about? Uh, no, not yet. Uh, I want to bring back the Brentlinger Award, uh, but I think a lot of people were burnt out on uh, fundraisers, so I'm just kind of giving it a break. And I may bring it back. I may not. I'm not. I'm not really sure. But if it were to be anything, it, it's going to be that. Um, I don't really think I have much hunts in the works other than our own racing program. All right. Well, that and you, you make some autograph sheets for some riders too, don't you? Are you still doing that? Yeah. Yeah, I do that. I made some resumes for some riders this year and last year. And I know a couple, a couple of the riders that I did them for, they said that it, it was amazing. They got some pretty big sponsors off, off of it. So. So yeah, I do well, that on the side as well. So you better give a shout out to some of those riders you're talking about. Oh, Matt Gunther, um, Drew Hart. I did his. I I do JRs, but Matt, uh, yeah, Matt, he uh, he got some pretty big helmet sponsors, I believe, off of it. So mm-hmm. good for That's him. Cool. I'm proud of him. That's awesome. Exactly. I hope maybe yep. he'll give you a helmet. Maybe he'll give you a helmet one day, and you can put it in your collection of uh, things exactly. from the race. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, cool. Do you want to say thanks to anybody else? I know a lot of people helped you out, especially when you're doing the Brentlinger Foundation and, and uh, taking care of the, all these riders. So do you want to say thanks to anybody before we let you go? Um, for the Brentlinger Award, just everyone that donated from a dollar to uh, X amount of money, uh, every single rider that ever donated any item. Um, I mean, that was a community thing. Like I said, it wasn't just me. So everyone that pitched in for that, uh, it, it was amazing of everyone to do that. Awesome. Well, I definitely appreciate your time. I know, you know a lot of people from the grandstands will see a familiar face in the pit area. They might not ho- not know who he or she is. So I wanted people to know who Stevie Smith was, not only Brian well, Smith's sister, <laughs> J.R. Addison's fiance, but a racer in her own. So I appreciate your time and uh, enjoy the rest of your day off here on Tuesday. Well, thank you. And we'll see you in Atlanta. Thanks a lot, Stevie Smith. We appreciate it. I want to thank everybody for your continued support. If you like what we're doing here, head on over to our Facebook page and give us a thumbs up and a follow. You can also follow me personally on Instagram and Twitter at Scotty Dubler. I'm off to Atlanta. Catch you next week.